Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you, Raider Nation Radio, powered by and fueled into the monologue by PTs, 64 locations in the Valley, Sean Patrick's, Sierra Gold, the SG Bar, they own the Stratosphere, Arizona Charlie's, all the great tavern locations in this town, great place to watch the Golden Knights, great place to watch the tournament, college basketball, Right around the corner, great place for just the best happy hour in town. No one comes near this happy hour with their prices and all their locations, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 as we begin today. Hope everybody's doing well. We got a big show. We're kind of all over the place today. I got every sport covered from the NBA to the Raiders to hockey. I'm splitting here on Thursday. I'm leaving to go to Lake Tahoe to see the Golden Knights. Got a media credential up there. Greatly appreciate the connection from the Golden Knights and the NHL to cover the Winter Classic. I go to Tahoe often in the summertime mostly, but I can't wait to get up there and see hockey. This is a bucket list event for me. I've never been to a Winter Classic. I've wanted to go to a Winter Classic and to see the Golden Knights, a team that I root for and cover. Remember, I'm not a journalist here. I don't write columns. I'm not breaking news. Just have fun. Like the Golden Knights, gave up the team of my youth, the Islanders, to be a fan of the Golden Knights. And it's going to be good to go up there and watch it, report on it, tweet about it. I'll show you some cool behind-the-scenes photos, hopefully, and have a good time up in Tahoe. Get some skiing in and go to an area that I really love. I love Lake Tahoe. I wish I could go to Lake Tahoe all the time. I wish I had a studio in Lake Tahoe. I love it there. So if you're a hockey fan, Shane Knighty will join us next hour. We'll talk to him about the Golden Knights and this great start to the season with Marc-Andre Fleury, what they're doing and how I think they're the favorite to win it all. You could say Tampa Bay, they're the cup champions. Are they the favorite? Vegas is the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. But I think the road for Vegas is going to have to go through Colorado, the team that they're playing here right now over this four-game stretch. And then there are other rivalry teams and teams that will pop up out of nowhere. And Vegas is going to have to fight. If you watch hockey, if you watch hockey, remember, every hockey city from Toronto to Montreal to San Jose, St. Louis, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, they all believe they can win the Cup. I mean, the bad teams don't. But every, every team that's in contention, they don't care about Vegas at all. They don't take Vegas serious. They think the uniforms are cool. They do the Cirque du Soleil show when those teams come on the road here. But they don't think about Vegas at all. And Vegas is a front runner. So for everybody listening to me from noon to two, we're talking Golden Knights. I was very happy talking Golden Knights last year at the pace that we did it. And we're going to mix it in a little bit more here in the Raider offseason, along with NASCAR and the NBA and everything else that gets going. Let me start with the Raiders. Uh, everybody's now reaching for straws on what the Raiders are going to do. What are the Raiders going to do? Are they going to trade? Are they going to hold on to the draft picks? Are they going into free agency? Our teammate here, Vinny Bonsignor, wrote a really good column in the Las Vegas Review-Journal. You can find it on his Twitter feed about some of the issues surrounding the Raiders, 
probability and all that. Can the Raiders be active here? And I was pretty impressed. He wrote a column separating fact from fiction on the Raiders' trade and free agent speculation. So a lot of the speculation is about bizarre deals. I mean, Richard Sherman coming to the Raiders, I'd be all for that, but that is kind of what? Richard Sherman, eight years ago coming to the Raiders would have been brilliant. Five years would have been unbelievable. Three years ago possibly could have worked. Richard Sherman coming to the Raiders now to do what? They brought in a whole new coaching staff to coach up the defensive backs who they drafted highly. What do you need Richard Sherman to do, to mentor these guys, or do you want them to play? I, I think Richard Sherman can play another year or two. I think J.J. Watt has two really good years left. Not good years. I'm talking Pro Bowl years left. So can Richard Sherman and J.J. Watt come to the Raiders? Yeah, I think Sherman would die to come because he wants money and he wants to continue to play, and it doesn't look like the Niners are that hot on him. And J.J. Watt is going to have several opportunities that are better than the Raiders on paper, and that would be Green Bay, possibly Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo, teams that are better than the Raiders, have better records, and in a position to win a Super Bowl over the silver and black. So not, a lot of people don't, aren't even bringing up Las Vegas. As I won balls out on Vegas yesterday for J.J. Watt, we didn't get one call on it. So no one seems to care about J.J. Watt in my mind because we talk to more people than anyone in the Raider Nation, and nobody cares. That's just my impression. Nobody cares. So I care. I'd like to get J.J. Watt, but I only bang the drum so long before I move on. I mean, I'd rather talk NASCAR and hockey than bang the drum on J.J. Watt if no one gives a crap. I think J.J. Watt would be perfect, but it doesn't feel like from the other hosts that I talk to and other people around the country that anybody gives the Raiders a shot for J.J. Watt. So, you know, we'll try it again today if you have something that interests you on a free agent. The big hot button for me this offseason is what are the Raiders going to do with Marcus Mariota? You can't keep him for this price. He's too damn expensive. You cannot have the cap situation that the Raiders have. You cannot pay Marcus Mariota not to play. You can't. It doesn't make any sense for a non-playoff team. It's too big of a luxury to have. So if you trade Marcus Mariota, which I'm all for for someone on defense, you better get going because it looks like Carson Wentz by tomorrow or the next day is going to sign with either Indianapolis or maybe Chicago. So that's the biggest story in the NFL this morning, other than Dak Prescott. You know, Dak Prescott, is he worth $40 million? $40 million because they're going to franchise tag him again. Looks like in Dallas, and he might not show up. He might not show up. Might not be worth it for him to show up. So he's, you're starting to feel the push from Dak Prescott's camp. It's starting lightly, and it's going to bubble up. Carson Wentz doesn't seem to want to be in Philadelphia. Indianapolis and Chicago are the two front runners. So with Indianapolis, I think that's a better fit for Carson Wentz because they got a good defense, really good defense, and an outstanding running game. And if they can get that going there, then they could bring along Wentz, who played under Frank Reich, who's the head coach there behind a really good offensive line. And I think that could rebuild Carson Wentz and get him going again. If Carson Wentz goes to Chicago with John DeFilippo, former coach with the Raiders, I'm not a big believer in him being a quarterback whisperer, nice guy, always had a good friendship and a relationship here. But what is he going to do? 
I mean, they didn't do a good job fixing Nick Foles. That didn't work. So when you look at all the quarterbacks that are available, Marcus Mariota is a pretty good quarterback. You can plug and play him anywhere. I'm starting to think that Marcus Mariota would be the best option, in my opinion, for Bill Belichick in New England. I really do. I think you've got to get out of Cam Newton. Marcus Mariota is better than Cam Newton. Cam Newton forgot how to throw a football. He just can't throw a football anymore. Have you seen him throw the ball? It is ugly. It's like a shot put. He's awful. He's terrible. And he had a beautiful opportunity to rebuild and make a ton of money with New England, and I thought he failed miserably. He ran the ball well. He played pretty good against the Raiders when the Raiders got beat in New England. But if, if Marcus Mariota is much better than Cam Newton. He's healthy. He's a better quarterback in the pocket. He's a good runner. I mean, Cam's been a great runner, but that was old Cam. Marcus Mariota's got fresh legs. So I think New England is going to take a look or potentially can do that. Now, traditionally, when you trade or do something with Belichick, you don't get the benefit of the deal. But when you look at Mariota, what's fascinating about Mariota is that his stock is really high right now. His stock is high, and he barely played. So you want to sell a stock when it's at its highest point. You don't want to wait. And a lot of other teams are going to have other players potentially. Jacoby Brissett, Jameis Winston, who I think is a hell of a quarterback. I love Jameis Winston. Not with the Raiders, but Jameis Winston still has a career in front of him. Young guy just sat on the bench for a year, 5,000-yard thrower. He can do it all, and he just had a year under Sean Payton, which would make anybody better. So I think he's going to come back again. Then you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. Remember him, Raider Nation? He's available. He's a really good backup, and he can start if anybody gets hurt. Andy Dalton, really good backup if Dak comes back, depending on what happens there. They're starting to stir the pot there. So with Marcus Mariota, in the next couple of days or the next week or two, what I'm trying to do is get, uh, get the pulse of the Raider Nation. What do you want to do with this guy? What do you want to do? Because last year, everybody was chirping, everybody was calling me about Mount Marcus Mariota. Oh, JT, he's going to have Carr's job by week three. I said, no, they, no he's not. Oh, JT, he's going to have Carr's job by week six. Gruden's going to No, he's not. And we saw him play, and now Raider fans... Basically, you saw him do nothing, just wear a baseball cap. If Marcus Mariota stays, that to me means that the Raiders had a brilliant offseason. Follow me here. In order to keep Marcus Mariota for that type of money, not to play, because we're all assuming that we're going to see Carr, we're going to see Carr play as the franchise quarterback and maybe get a deal done and an extension Marcus Mariota only plays if Carr gets hurt. I don't predict injuries. Why would I? So Derek Carr, as I've always said, is the franchise quarterback coming in to a great season, fourth year in Gruden's system, and it's go time. He had tremendous chemistry with Darren Waller. Nelson Aguilar, who they have to make a decision on. He could get rugs going in the offseason in Hunter Renfro. So Mariota is no longer in Vegas to hold the clipboard. He can't. It's too expensive. Somebody's going to want him for some type of trade asset for Mayock and Gruden that they have to, have to take advantage of. If they don't take advantage of it, what's going on? I mean, Kansas City could have a backup like Marcus Mariota because they go to the Super Bowl. 
They've gone to three straight AFC championship games. Tom Brady could have a backup like Marcus Mariota because Brady's never going to come out of a game even up 40 points. The Raiders can't afford to have someone unless the Raiders have such a great year and that would be the offseason being in the next couple of weeks or months, where the Raiders just load up. They have an unbelievable draft. They have just this unbelievable signing or two in free agency. And then John Gruden looks around and goes, man, we're good. We're much better. I fixed this defense with one or two moves. We got Gus Bradley. We got back. I want to keep Mariota here because I'm going to use him more in the red zone, potentially, or blank. He's going to what, compete with Carr? I doubt it, but Gruden wants to keep him. Gruden wants three quarterbacks, and Gruden wants quarterbacks who can play. So I'm as confused as you, and the insiders are confused. Everybody's confused. If I lined up five Raider insiders that I can do with the snap of my fingers and all ask them their opinion on Marcus Mariota, they'd have nothing more different than you. All due respect to the insiders who do a great job. They don't know. I don't know. The Raiders are being hush about this. They're trying to find a market for Marcus Mariota. And I think whatever you can get on the market for him, sell him right now. Sell Mariota right now and get something that you can show us that will work defensively. I don't care what it is. If it's part of a package to get some defensive player, if you're making a trade and Mariota's part of the package and you're getting someone back here that I know can play and start at defensive tackle, defensive edge rusher, linebacker, and again, another thing, I talked to someone in the league about this the other day. The Raiders need linebackers, plural. They don't need a Mike linebacker or a Sam linebacker. Linebackers, period. You see those guys on Tampa Bay? You see how they play linebacker? Raiders need to go find one of those guys. And if you need to go get someone with a, with a piece of a trade, you go ahead and do this. So this is the first time I remember being involved with the Raiders that I've ever been pro-trade. Usually I'm not. I stay in my lane. I'm not going to affect the trade market. I'm not affecting the trade market. But, you know, you know, I've been talking on the radio for 20-plus years about the Raiders. Usually I have an idea of what they're going to do or an idea of what they're going to do in the draft or what they want to do in free agency. And I'm just guessing by saying, don't touch the offense and go balls out on defense and use whatever you can with whatever you have, what you believe, Raider Nation, is trade value. Marcus Mariota, not Derek Carr. The only reason why Derek Carr would not be a Raider is Deshaun Watson. That's it. That's it. If Derek Carr could go get you Khalil Mack or go get you three defensive players, I would never do that deal. So the only reason why Derek Carr would not be a Raider would be Deshaun Watson and I never gave that a lot of credibility. Never thought that that would happen. As all the talk today is about Deshaun Watson having dinner with some former teammates and some Dolphins in South Beach, which is true. And now that's getting all the gossip going. You see, sports radio this time of year turns into gossip. All it is is gossip. It's TMZ. And when you're dealing with players and you're dealing with coaches on a first-name basis, you got to be careful with gossip. When you're running a blog and you want to sit there and you're on the internet and you want to play with gossip, go ahead and do that. But with this organization, they don't appreciate gossip from people who work for the team that have no clue what the gossip is really about. Get what I'm saying? Gruden is tight-lipped. Mayock is tight-lipped. 
they're working behind the scenes to upgrade this roster quickly because they have to do it coming off the pandemic. They got to open up that stadium. We got to get butts in that seat. We got to see better players on defense, better coaching, which I think we agree that they have. And then it's go time, absolute go time. So I'm in for a trade of anybody. I wanted to get this out of the way today because I put this down here in front of me. Everybody who could be traded is available other than, in my opinion, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, because everybody has Waller and or a car involved in the Deshaun Watson package if that's going to come up. I wouldn't trade Hunter Renfro. I wouldn't trade Henry Ruggs III. I would not trade Rodney Hudson. I would not trade Colton Miller. And then Gabe Jackson, uh, you know, like Gabe, he's a good player. I wouldn't trade Max Crosby. Under any circumstance, he's the he's the perfect addition for what the Raiders want to be. And then other than that, anybody? Anybody else? Did I miss anybody who's not tradable? Daniel Carlson? Anybody else that I missed? Because you, I know that Nick Witkowski and Littleton are probably not going to be traded, but I'm not blown away with either one of those guys after what I saw year one. I'm not blown away by Arnett. I'm not blown away by John Abram. I'm, not, I'm kind of blown away by Trayvon Mullen, so I like Mullen. I like him as a cornerstone guy. The defensive tackles you can move all day long. And Cleland Farrell is a guy that I don't think is going to get traded because he has too much value because he's a protected player, young player, on a rookie contract, and he could have an offseason and come back and look like the Incredible Hulk. But as we said, any trade, anything that you want to talk about, in the coming weeks is fine by me. If you want to trade draft picks to get a star, I love it. If you want to trade current players on the roster to go get better players, I'm all for it. And usually I'm not because I think that's where the team is at now. The team is about tweaking three or four different positions and then making a big run. How do you see it? 702-365-9200 at JT the Brick on Twitter as we open up the show. So a lot of times when I start this show off at noon Pacific, my nighttime show from last night ends at 10 o'clock Pacific. So I wind down, I wind down, I watch TV or Netflix or something, and then I go to bed and then I wake up and boom, I got to do this show, which I love, and I got to put it together, we got to get guests, and we got to get to work. So my life during the week is just one radio bubble with just a couple hours for sleep, and family time, and that's it. That's what my life looks like when, when it's, you know, radio. And that's what it's always like. So last night I'm on the radio, and it was a quiet night. And you never admit when you're a radio host that it's quiet, ever. Never done it, never will. I heard some knucklehead yesterday on a, on a live sports talk show say this is the deadest day of the year. There's nothing to talk about. I knew his boss. I didn't text his boss. But I felt like saying, wow. A good way to get fired is to say that. In radio, just like entertainment, if you're in a rock band, if you're in a musical, you never start the show off by saying, hey, we don't have our good stuff today. It's kind of a lame day, but we're going to perform for you. You always come up big. So last night I'm watching, and I kind of come up with a topic, and my topic was about the NBA. And I did three hours on the NBA because Andre Drummond of the Cleveland Cavaliers was not playing and Blake Griffin, another guy who's making $36 million, $39 million 
They were pulled from their, their teams. They're not going to play as their management and their owners try to trade them. And I popped the gasket. I said, this is absolutely ridiculous. What the hell is going on in our lives now? That in 2021, healthy, good players, all-star, former recent all-star players, the trade deadline is March 25th. It is February 16th that Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond aren't going to play when they're capable of playing so their teams can put together a trade package. And I said it's out of control. Do you know that Blake Griffin of the Detroit Pistons, guess how much he makes per game? Not, not per year, per game. The former Clipper, uh, who's a great guy, he's a, my son goes to Oklahoma, he, he donated all the millions of dollars to their fitness center down there. Very generous guy. Blake Griffin makes $508,000 a game. A game. And they're not playing him because they want to trade him and they don't want him to get injured before the trade. So I do this three-hour show from 7 to 10 p.m. And then as soon as I end the show, maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes later, my producer, who was working on the show that comes on after me too, says, I can't believe what you were talking about for three hours. Did you see Draymond Green just go off on that? And I just finished the show. I was in the kitchen, turned on the TV, saw Draymond Green of the Warriors blow a gasket on what I was talking about three hours earlier on what was kind of a slow NBA night. And it was exactly what I was saying. So here was Draymond Green after the game last night for the Warriors where he said something that I thought was some of the best content, NBA content, that I've heard in a long time. To watch Andre Drummond before the game sit on the sideline then go to the back and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bullshit. But you can say Andre Drummond is getting traded publicly and we're looking to trade him publicly and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great, to come out here and be in shape, to produce for fans every single night, and most importantly, to help your team win, do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? But as players, we're told to, ah, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can. It goes along the same lines of when, when everyone wants to say, oh, man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, the players must be respected in these situations, and it's ridiculous, and I'm sick of seeing it. Y'all have a great night. I'll see y'all tomorrow. That was incredible. That's about as good of a soundbite as I've played in a long time. I don't agree with everything that Draymond Green said, especially about Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving just went AWOL a month ago and just split because personally he just needed a break and he didn't show up for his team. So I don't agree with that. But what he said about Andre Drummond and what's happening with Blake Griffin, I agree with him. So owners and a team can tell a player, you're healthy, you can play. We're going to sit your ass and try to trade you, and the trade could take two or three weeks. But you need to stay in shape, and you need to handle this, and you need to warm up with your team, but we're not going to play you. That is garbage. And that's what I do on the radio. I try to look at things with a perspective of a fan. 
I'm just a fan behind a microphone. I stood in the black hole. I've sat in the upper deck at Yankee games. The only advantage I bring to this show is you know me. I'm a diehard fan. And normally I side with ownership because at times players take advantage of the system. And I remind everybody that the players are employees of a team. They don't own the team. They don't pay for the insurance. They don't pay for the stadium. They don't pay to upkeep the arena and stadium. They don't. They're only going to play for a very, very, very short period of time. So I don't think that the players are more important than the owners because some of the owners are going to be around with their families for 100 years or 50 or 60 years, and a player might only play 60 games in basketball or one and a half seasons in the NFL. But Draymond Green got it right. Draymond Green was so passionate about his union and his, his players' coalition that he warmed up before that game, and he had 16 assists. And he saw Andre Drummond have to go put on street clothes, and he said, I'm done with this crap. This is out of control. And it's what I've been talking about with you for a long time in sports. At times, you fans get robbed. Can you believe that athletes get nights off when they don't deserve a night off? They get vacation. They have nights off. They're called off games where they don't play, but they get a load management night off. And now we're seeing other NBA players. So I believe this is going to be a trend. There's two guys right now, two guys, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin who are not going to play until they get traded. And then I think that's going to go from two to four. Then it's going to go from four to eight. And then next year at the trade deadline with three weeks to go, a whole bunch of teams are going to tell their players with these bloated contracts, don't suit up. We're trying to trade you. You're not going to play. And all that does is rip off the fans, rip off the TV partners. And this is another aspect of sports that I'm very worried about. I'd love your opinion on Draymond Green's comments It's a specific topic that I'm asking for your opinion on. Do you side with the owners or do you side with the players like Draymond Green? 702-365-9200. Big Al in San Francisco. Start us off coming off that. What's happening, Big Al? You know, I was at the game last night, JT, and out of all the basketball games I've been to, and you know I've been to a lot of them, I saw a player, Andre Drummond, who I support wholeheartedly. He, he, he's taking this thing really well. He came out at halftime in street clothes and was hanging out with the Warrior players and the Piston players taking three-point shots because he knows his time is done and he's taking it as light as he possibly can because you know that the stress and the hurt just has to be monumental. Uh, going back a couple years ago, DeMarcus Cousins, an all-star player, kind of known as being a surly guy, but I think misunderstood, um, found out that he was traded by his the team that drafted him that he had given eight years of service to. He found out by a bunch of reporters standing on a podium after the All-Star game. Um, one thing I think that we all seem to forget is that while we all want our teams to win championships and succeed and be entertaining and so forth, these guys are young guys and they're people too. And they need to start, instead of being treated as a commodity, they need to, we need to start to understand that when a player gets traded, it just doesn't affect the, the player. The trickle-down effect can affect 20 or 30 different people who are not part of the um, Cleveland Cavaliers that came in and got – and they're so, they're so whacked out. They, you know, they, they, that team didn't want to play last night because of all the turmoil they're going through. It affects so many people, 
And I think that if you're going to be making if you're going to be making business decisions here, if you go in the boardroom at Microsoft, they're not announcing those business decisions until they're done. Let's not be announcing uh, trades and making guys kind of you know just kind of stand out there and really put them in, out of, up against the whipping post. It's wrong. And you know, Draymond came out yesterday, and I heard it last night on the way home, and I was just like, okay, it's about time somebody took a stand on this. Because it's really it's it's disrespectful, especially with COVID. A lot of guys got moved last month in the Harden trade, who um, you know who were basically you know they were put in there because of their their asset, the cap number, and so forth. They had a fit, um, and everything got disheveled with them. And I think it's wrong. And I think they need to take a look at this and say, hey, look, um, we're not, there's no trade rumors to be announced. And as for trades. Um, Okay, that's part of the business, but I actually don't think they should be having trades at this time anyway. But that's that's my opinion. But Draymond's 100% spot on, and I applaud him for it. Thanks for the phone call, Big Al. Appreciate being on in San Francisco. I live in Vegas. I host a show in Vegas. We're trying to get Vegas sports fans to comment. Great that we're on in San Francisco on the Raiders app. 702-365-9200. It's where you stand on this topic. It's really important. It's a really true essence topic to describe you as a sports fan what type of fan are you do you not care about this is it too heavy of a topic does it make sense or not these are the type of topics i love because it deals with ownership players trades uh the attitude staying in line uh sounding off draymond green did something where he's going to be remembered for this you might not like draymond green draymond green is so perfect for the NBA on TNT and these shows. He was eloquent. He was emotional. He he really flew off the edge and then contained it. I thought Draymond was as good as any athlete speaking their mind on a topic in quite some time. In quite some time. And you know, from time to time, Draymond, you know, Draymond will play a game and have two points and four assists, and I'll be like, what the hell was he doing? He had an awful game. But then there's a game like last night where Draymond gets 16 assists and Curry had 36 points. And the story wasn't the game. It was the fact that Cleveland didn't put their best player out on the court. Drummond's their best big man or a big man that could play and help them win. And how would you like to be a gambler? How would you like to be a gambler going into a game going, oh, Blake Griffin's not going to play tonight. Andre Drummond's not going to play tonight. What's going to happen? It's not fair. Athletes should be treated with respect. And for those who say, well, you know, they're making millions of dollars, they should be able to deal with it. No. These athletes all are emotional. They're playing for you, the fans. And when you're healthy and you're able to play and your owner and your GM and your coach says, hey, man, you're not playing tonight. We're trying to trade you. But show up at the team meal to shoot around. Uh, Put your street clothes on after warm-ups and come out to the bench. That's hard to deal with. That doesn't happen often in sports. 888-623-3646. 888-623-3646. Excuse me, 702. Thank you, Bobby. You're right. I, I, I got two phone numbers I use all the time. No wonder I'm taking vacation at the end of the week heading to Tahoe. 702-365-9200. For you Raider fans, I got one big topic for you today, and I'm mixing in a lot of other content. Marcus Mariota, what do you want from him? If you want to keep him, explain to me why. If you want to move him, what do you want to get for him? It's a really simple Raider topic, but it's hugely important on what the Raider Nation wants in this offseason gift basket. We all know you want defense, but if I can't deliver J.J. Watt for you, 
and Richard Sherman and Leonard Williams and some of the guys that are out there, who do you want? It's going to start with trying to clear out Tyrell Williams, Marcus Mariota's money, make a trade. What do you want to do with the backup quarterback? 702-365-9200. Danielle Trotter is going to join us later on. NASCAR insider Jeff Sherman coming up here in about 10 minutes from the Westgate. He's got a lot to say. They're putting up their baseball total numbers, I think, later on today. It'll be good to talk to him on that. And Shane Knighty, color analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights, says, I'll be up in Tahoe on Thursday with the Golden Knights who play on Saturday. Really excited about that on Raider Nation Radio. Engel checks in for the Raiders. He'll line up in front of Josh Jacobs. You know they think Jacobs is coming. Carr is up underneath center. Carr hands to Jacobs, sprints left side. Jackpot, baby! Raiders touchdown with 24 seconds to go. And now John Gruden has a decision to make. Ball for two. JT, good to hear Brent Musburger, who was on with us right before the Al Davis. 30 for 30. Uh, which was phenomenal television. Uh, biggest sporting event in the world right now. Lionel Messi in Barcelona taking on Paris Saint-Germain. 1-1 in the 37th minute. The whole world is watching this. The entire world around Europe, around Africa, uh, uh, South America, the Far East, uh, watching this unbelievable soccer game that I have on here. In my home studio, we're talking Marcus Mariota uh, because Marcus Mariota seems to be reality one of the players that could be moved one of the players obviously that could be traded for because of his service another team would need him and the Raiders would want some value out of that depending on what he's making and what he's going to make so if you got another idea on how to upgrade this defense let me know 702-365-9200 gangster Raider thanks for waiting go ahead hey what's happening JT well first of all about the sports issues can you hear me yeah, I got you, Gad. Yeah, first of all, about the sports issue, I don't like it either way because remember when Kyrie Irving was in um, Cleveland and he demanded a trade with two years on his contract and they, they shipped him to Boston? I don't like how they let these players with two years and three years left on their contract demand trades every day and then they appease them. You know what I'm saying? Just like with James Harden. He had two years left on his contract with Houston. He did what he did. He, they gave him what he wanted and traded him to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. If I was Houston, if, if I would have traded, I would have traded him to Siberia or Toronto somewhere. You know what I mean? Not where he wanted to go, but I wouldn't have traded him. He had two years left on his contract. If you want to act like that and um, don't show up everything, I'll find you. You know what I'm saying? Make you stick to that contract. But since it goes like that with the players, um, it's only right that the um, organizations are able to do the same thing with the players like they're doing with Drummond and um, Griffin. I don't like it, but it is what it is. And well, I mean, you, you say it. You say it is what it is. I mean, to park a player, they could park a player for a month, and they're letting the player make all that money. The benefit to the player is Blake Griffin is making, you know, half a million dollars a game. So if he doesn't play mm-hmm. or if he doesn't want to play, he gets to keep all that money. So other athletes understand that. If they don't play, they get paid. But the point is, a lot of athletes want to play. They're healthy. They want to go out there. They want to compete and entertain. And it's not fair to them. If you can't figure out what to do with them, 
the players have to have some rights so they can go out there and play the sport in the prime of their career. It's not fair to their longevity. Yeah, that's true, too. But um, is, isn't it the organization that's holding Blake Griffin back and Monte um, Drummond, not the players, or is it the other way around? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, a lot of these teams that have these problems – are looking to get rid of players whose contracts are overvalued and they're not playing well anymore. Yeah. Lastly, you called exactly. on the Raiders. What do you want to do with Mariota? Well, as far as, far as I'm concerned, I say we trade him for the best defensive player we can get. And it's also we bring in Sherman and Earl Thomas because with um, Gus Bradley, that will strengthen up our defense and it'll be leadership if nothing else. You know, to end them give us that attitude and grit, you know what I'm saying, that we used to have. And Mariota could, you know, because as you say, his value is high right now. We can get a high-value defensive player like a defensive lineman or a linebacker that's, that's still young and, mm. you know, that's uh, uh, like similar to um, old boy, the rookie that in Tampa Bay. I think his name is White, Devin White. We need somebody similar to that. If we can get somebody like that from Mariota or um, a very productive defensive lineman, then let's do it. You know what I mean? But – I think we need to just bring in Earl Thomas, bring in Sherman, you know what I'm saying? Because I think our DBs are good. We just need to get them coached up, get a real offseason. Mm-hmm. Are we having a real offseason this? Do you know? Do you have anything about that? Are they having a real offseason this year, or is the COVID still going to be? Yeah, the, the COVID's right still now? up here. Thanks for the phone call. Earl Thomas, appreciate hearing from you. Earl Thomas is an interesting guy because he was a little bit unstable. He was a little bit unstable last year. And if you really think that Earl Thomas is a good guy to fit in there as you're trying to get Jonathan Abram coached up, I don't know about that one. Uh, That one's going to be really interesting. I know there's a lot of teams, the Colts, interested maybe in Earl Thomas. And Earl Thomas was not the perfect teammate. He wasn't the perfect teammate in Baltimore. So do you want to bring him into this atmosphere with all the young players in Las Vegas? Seriously, there's a lot of questions about him and how much he has left in the tank. The interesting part of Sherman and Earl Thomas is their friendship and relationship and respect they have for Gus Bradley, and that goes. And, and look, that happens in sports all the time, where a coach comes to a new team and he brings some of his players. Gus Bradley was able to bring his coaches, so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Chargers defensive backs here uh, via free agency or a move or a trade, or someone connected to the Legion of Boom. But the Legion of Boom guys are getting a little old in the tooth. When you take a look at the great run that Seattle had, that was years ago. Appreciate the call, 702-365-9200. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. From a gambling perspective, he joins us two weeks. He'll join us. And then Shane Knighty at the top of the hour is the Golden Knights. Have another big game against Colorado before the Winter Classic in Tahoe. Brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity, and I've been working extremely hard, but at the same time, it is, it is always tough to move on. I just want you guys to know that I love you, I appreciate you, I appreciate the McNair family for giving me, uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston, I love you. 
J.J. Watt, J.T., back with you as we continue on. We always bring in Jeff Sherman from a gaming perspective over at the Westgate. What a great job he does. Jeff, good to talk to you. I'll jump right in with your NBA championship odds updated. Any news coming off this Anthony Davis shutdown in L.A.? Yeah, we had the Lakers as a 3-2 to two favorite, which is an overwhelming favorite. and We bumped them up to 5-2, to two, so that's a significant increase with the time he's going to miss. We're expecting Utah to be a front runner for the number one seed, so we really adjusted their odds down. We had them as high as twelve to one about a week ago. They're down to five to one, right in the mix with the Clippers and the Nets right now. Wow! So this is really a big time story. You've seen enough of the Utah Jazz now so far this year with defense, Mitchell, the way they score. And, I, you know, sharp players have been winning money on them in the regular season. But looking out at these future odds, sharp money coming in on Utah as a potential NBA champion. Yeah, it's uh, they've been consistent over this 20-game run, covering big numbers, too. You can see how highly power-rated they are, and they're covering these spreads. So the way they're playing, offense, defense, three-point shooting, they're right there in the mix. So, you know, we felt we had to make a large adjustment at this time, especially coming off the Anthony Davis news. Uh, Jeff Sherman's our guest. Any adjustment on the Clippers, considering the Clippers would be the team that could go through the Lakers in the Western Conference, Western Conference Finals to advance? Uh, we're holding strong at 5-1. to one. They're right there in the mix, and you know we expect them to have their players back. Right now they're playing without Kawhi Leonard, Paul George missing some time, and still winning some games. They just came off back-to-back wins uh, shorthanded. So uh, they're, they're holding serve right now and, and staying the course with the future market. Anything on Phoenix? Phoenix seems to be a buzz lately. Everybody talking about the way Chris Paul and this team is starting to build their chemistry. Yeah, we lowered them from 40 to 30, and they're just maintaining that spot. Mm. They're sitting in the four seed right now. And, you know, who knows how much the Lakers will go down with uh, with Anthony Davis out. So there's potential for them to even move up. So we've eased them down from 40 to 30, and they could even go down a little bit more. They're playing the Nets tonight. Nets without a couple players with uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving out. So... That, that point spread has crept up from an opening four and a half up to seven. So uh, Phoenix expected to win this game tonight against Brooklyn. Uh, Jeff Sherman is our guest. All right, I know this is a big day and a big night as you set the MLB regular season wins for baseball. Uh, tell us all about this because I know a lot of baseball fans that love this day as they try to handicap how many games a team is going to win this year. What jumps out at you? Yeah, interesting year. You know, we, this is some of the highest and lowest numbers we've ever made with the Dodgers starting out at 103.5 wins all the way to the Pirates down at 57.5. So it's a, a strong dichotomy there. And then the, the usual suspects in the mix with the Yankees at 95.5, the Mets right up there too. So uh, interesting to see. And, you know, it's uh, hopefully they can get the 162 in this year. Uh, let's stay with the Dodgers at 103.5. Where'd you get that from historically? When you look at this and what they've been able to do by adding a front-line pitcher and re-signing and bringing back Justin Turner, did you elevate the number off of that? Oh, there's no doubt we did. I mean, they took the team that won it last year and added to it, and then even after adding Bauer, uh, you'd think that they'd be a tough press money-wise, but they add Turner back. So, you know, they're really stepping on the pedal this year to uh, accelerate what they did last year, and we had to start at a really high number. The expectation is people are going to be looking to bet this team over. So, you know, that's that's as high a number as we can go on them. Uh, Jeff, what is it like for a seasoned gambler who wants to tie up their money that long and jump and pounce right now when it comes to the future numbers on Major League Baseball regular season wins? Because, again, 
it's total risk reward here. Does this number, I mean, does the money fly in on the first day or two, or do the Sharps need a week or two to digest all these numbers? How does it typically work? Now we've already seen some action come in, and usually it's differences to other places. That's the early action is, uh, you know, you'll have a softer market, and then after about a few weeks to a month, then you'll have more of a solid market, and then it's more people handicapping rather rather not just betting differences between places. So initially we've seen some uh, $1,000 bets come in already, and, you know, it picks up closer to the season and once spring training gets going. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate. Uh, let's move to Super Bowl 56 odds. Uh, Kansas City, where do you have Kansas City and Green Bay, the two front runners here? What's changed over the last couple of weeks since the Super Bowl? Yeah, we had the Chiefs at 11-2 and have taken some money on them, so they're the 5-1 to one favorite. Tampa Bay, before the, they won the Super Bowl, we had them at 12-1, to one, so we lowered them at 8-1 to one as they were winning that game. So they've surpassed Green Bay as a second favorite, and Green Bay is sitting at 10-1 to one right now. Uh, Cowboys, where are the Cowboys at? I know there's a lot of fans waiting to see what happens with Dak Prescott and looking for value with America's team. Yeah, we have them at 25, and we had to open them at 20, got them as high as 30, seen some action on them, and dipped them back down to 25. Uh, anything pending in your mind where you see Deshaun Watson moving to a team where the value will jump considerably? The buzz, buzz all week's been about Miami, him being in Miami, and what that could do for the Dolphins if he decides to go there, if there's a blockbuster deal. Yeah, we've already anticipated some uh, movement with Miami, and we opened them at 20-1. to 1. Uh, the, the team that's getting buzzed today are the Carolina Panthers about wanting to get involved with Deshaun Watson. Uh, we had opened them higher, uh, eighty to one. They're down to fifty to one. We saw some money on them, uh, so there's some anticipation there. But if they get them, they'll drop even further down from fifty to one. Uh, Jeff Sherman, as we wrap it up, let's talk about the Genesis Invitational. Better field than Pebble Beach, where Berger won. I see Dustin Johnson, McElroy, Justin Thomas is back. You're great at golf handicapping. What can you tell us about this event? Yeah, it's a strong field. I mean, much better than Pebble Beach last week. It looks like a major in comparison. So limited field, 120 golfers. It should be a tough course. The winning score we have at 14.5 under par, so it should be tight. Uh, and uh, DJ, the, the sole single-digit favorite, which is warranted the way that he's playing at 11-2. to two. Uh, You get some nice prices on the guys around him. Patrick Cantley's a, a hot topic this week, coming off nearly winning last week. He's from UCLA. He's played this course plenty of time, so he should go really well here. Uh, Max Home is coming in great form. If you're looking for someone with longer odds, 60 to one range, uh, he's been consistent. Not a household name, but uh, if you're looking beyond the top guys, he might be one to go with. Money coming in last week on Friday, Saturday for Jordan Spieth. A lot of people thought he had enough to win at Pebble before he fell apart on Sunday. Yeah, he was a liability for us. So continuously, as we updated the odds, there was support for him, and even in the daily matchups. And uh, it'll be interesting to see now what he does in a field like this, where it's uh, you know he falls down the ranks where he's thirty-five to one to win it. Where last year, last week, he was twenty to one. So almost twice the price on him because of the strength of the field. He's the VP of Risk Management at the Superbook, Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. Thanks, Jeff. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always appreciate your time. All right, thanks, JT. There he is, Jeff Sherman. Interesting on the favorites to win the Super Bowl for next year. If you want to lay that type of money now, if you want to do that with MLB, regular season wins. Man, I got a couple of buddies today. They were waiting for that interview. They were waiting for the win totals. Uh, go check out what the Westgate has posted when it comes down to baseball, regular season wins. 
How do you not throw 100 or 200 bucks on the Dodgers and the under? 103 and a half wins. They got to win 104. Wow, the Dodgers are absolutely loaded.